Uh, last week I kind of diverted from what I was going to share, but this week I'm going to kind of go in that. I just kind of have one week to kind of share some things about voting. Uh, Tom's going to share the next couple weeks after this uh, concerning it as well. He's got some powerful things on his heart. Oh yeah, we can release the junior high. I was supposed to do that. Junior high, you can be released right now to go to your class. Thank you, Shelly, for making that move. It reminded me. She came up and asked me to do that, but the, the, my bird got tr distracted. So bless the junior high God as they go back. But as I share today on voting, there's an urgency and a conviction even on my heart today on what I'm going to share, but I really want to challenge us here publicly and in person, but I also want to challenge us online for anyone who's going to see this and this is going to go out uh, and get shared and get posted and people will see this. I just want to challenge us this morning as I get ready to, sh to share is do not allow, as we talk about voting, do not allow the spirit of this age and the spirit that is at work in our nation, this divisive spirit, do not let it work in your heart as you hear this message. Do not let the enemy come in and think uh, and, and divide us. God is wanting in this hour to unite the body of Christ in such a powerful way to give us a voice to make us a, a people who influence the nation and the nations of the earth. This is a time for no division. So when I get into this message, I'm not going to talk about who you're going to vote for Trump or you're going to vote for uh, Biden. I'm not going to get into that kind of specifics. I'm going to get into today into the importance of voting and how we as Christians can make an influence in our nation through our vote. That literally we have power and we are a collective group that has power in affecting our nation. And I'm going to go into that today. But do not let division, do not, because I know, I'm not stupid, I know there are going to be people voting on either side of this issue and either side of whatever candidate. But we've got to have our hearts centered on the kingdom of heaven. May his kingdom come, may his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So if you disagree with me today, that is fine. You can disagree with me. All I say is don't let it divide us. Don't let it come and bring any division, but may we unify because there is a spirit of this age that is working in, the, in, our, in our culture to divide and to conquer. And so I'm just asking for us to, to hear the voice of the Lord as I share this, and I just want to ward off any principality of the air. So right now, in Jesus' name, Satan, I rebuke your divisive spirit. I come against Leviathan that wants to twist any of my words, and I say, you cannot twist what I say. Do you will not say something different than what I'm actually saying. But in Jesus' name, we take authority over you. We take authority over deception. We take authority over disunity. And we bind you, taking authority over it. And so, Lord, let truth come out and let people hear what you want them to hear today according to your word and your purpose and your plan. So, Father, come. Holy Spirit, come. And may you empower my words to bring truth and bring unity and to bring, God, what you want want it to bring in Jesus name. Praise the Lord. Amen. And everybody said, so I am convicted to teach today on what I'm going to share. And I believe that Christians should vote and influence our culture because we're in a critical season and we need, we do need to be praying and we do need to be seeking the Lord. And, and so today what I'm going to do, I'm going to, um, I'm going to talk about how when Christians vote and when they don't vote, it literally influences our culture. 
whether we take this responsibility and whether we take it on or not and whether we do vote or we don't vote, either way, you are influencing culture with your inaction if you don't vote or with your action you are voting you are you're voting you're making a difference even though it doesn't feel like many times in our culture and i'm going to go over you're going to get some statistics today you're going to get some proof and some historical data i'm just wanting to lay a foundation of the importance of voting today but number two i'm wanting to lay a foundation of how large our voice is in america still and how we have influence. And collectively, as the body of Christ over this whole nation, we have influence. Say, we have influence. We really do. We have influence. And I'm going to show you some of that influence that when we, as a collective team, as we, the body of Christ, come in unity, and we have a way of influencing the nation. You're going to see that clearly through some of the statistics that we're going to talk about. According to the research from the Barna Group, which is a very respected group, Christian polling service and they poll thousands and thousands of Americans. I'm going to give some statistics from him. I'm going to give some some other statistics from other sources as well. And but in the Barna group, uh, the Barna group has what they've done is they have divided Christians in America kind of in three different groups. The first group is what we call evangelical Christians who are born again. They're going to church on a regular basis. They love the Lord. They believe they will go to heaven. They love Jesus, and they're committed to Christ. There's 35 million of those Americans in this nation. Can you say praise the Lord? And then they break it down into just born-again Christians, people who classify themselves born-again. They don't really go to church all the time. They don't really, uh, aren't, aren't faithfully committed to a, a, a local church, but they classify themselves as making a commitment to Jesus Christ. And then they have what they call nominal Christians. Nominal Christians is everybody else in America who thinks they're a Christian just because they believe that, that, that they are. Okay, so there's three different groups that Barna, but in Barna's research, when he broke those, the Christians down in America, 35 million professed Christ as evangelical lovers, passionate lovers of God. And of those 35 million evangelicals in America, 28 million of them, so 7 million less, 28 million of those are actually registered to vote. So there's 7 million evangelicals just like us all throughout America who aren't even registered to vote, don't even have an influence over our culture. Their voice will not be heard. It will not go out over the nation when it comes to voting. But of the, of the ones who are registered to vote, of the 28 million in 2016, of the 28 million who were registered to vote, only 60% of those actually voted. So there's another 7 million Christian, evangelical Christians in this nation who didn't have a voice, that didn't vote in 2016. So that's a total of 14 million. Everybody say 14 million. That was 14 million people in this nation who are born-again believers who didn't vote last, last, last election. Do you think that's a considerable amount of voice? Do you think that's a collective voice that could make an impact upon this nation? 14 million people, evangelicals like us, did not vote in 2016. And it even gets worse. It gets worse than that. You know why it gets worse than that? Because that's just the evangelicals. 
That's not the ones who are classifying themselves born again. That's not even the nominal Christians who claim Christ and say they are Christians in this nation. That whole group account, comes to 90 million believers. 90 million people is that those two groups. And of those two groups, of that 90 million, 50% of them didn't vote. So now that's 45 million Christian voices or who have a, a Christian influence within their life of some nature. So now we're at 59 million Americans who claim Christ in some fashion or, 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 or some fashion. 59 million who have some claiming of Christianity didn't even vote. What do you think about that? That is influence, whether whichever side you're going to vote, is a huge influence. Now, why is that important? Why do you think I'm bringing that up? Well, in 2016, when Hillary and, and President Trump went up against each other, she actually won the popular vote by 2.8 million votes. She won the popular vote. She did not win the electoral vote is why Trump got elected. But here's what I'm saying. That was 2.8 million votes. I'm talking about 59 million people could have influenced that one way or another. Do you see that? Collectively, we have a voice. In 2012, when Obama was running, he won by 3.5 million votes. 59 million votes, whether you wanted Trump or the other guy, it doesn't matter. 3.5 is all that it did to change the landscape of who got elected. Do you hear me? Then in 2008, when Obama and McCain ran against each other, it was a $10 million, or $10 million, $10 million, I'm on money today, $10 million votes is what swayed that election. And we have 59 million who claim Christ in some fashion. Do you think we have a voice? And then when President Bush won in 2000 against Gore, it was only 500,000 votes that got President Bush elected. And then it was contested because it was Florida. The electoral votes of Florida, Florida almost swung to Gore is what happened. And it was only like 580 votes in Florida that swayed it. And it went to the Supreme Court and they wanted to, they wanted to get the Supreme Court justices on that. And it was a contested do you guys remember that year? But the overall vote, it was 500,000 people. And there's 59 million Americans who claim Christ. Do you hear me? We, have a, we could have a cultural revolution if we would get on the same page. We can send a message to politicians. We want something different than what we're getting. <laughs> You guys don't seem as excited as I am. So in the last 20 years, both the presence and the absence of Christian voters has affected the elections either way. 
good, bad, conservative. I don't care what your flavor is, black, white, pink, purple, whatever your mm, is. It, we have an, a possibility of changing this nation if we really, really would come together in a collective way to declare the goodness of God. Can I have an amen? When Christians take voting serious and get involved, it literally changes our culture for good. Christians are to be change agents for righteousness. Say, I'm a change agent. I'm a change agent for righteousness. When Christians are not involved and don't care, it also changes our culture in a serious way. And statistically, I'm going to prove that to you today. I'm going to show you statistically over the last 20 years how Christians not being involved and how Christians being involved, how it has actually swayed things in our nation. Good and bad. Everybody say good and bad. A quote from David Barton, who is a, a historian from Wall Builders. It's an organization called Wall Builders. He said, during the last four elections from, not last four, during the four elections between 1992 and 2002, I'm going to go back to 1992 and 2002 because these statistics come from that era. And it's an era when Christians were not highly involved, okay? And so from 1992 and to 2002, I'm going to give you some statistics. When Christians were not involved in the elections, they were not involved with their voice, what happens in our nation. And so I'm going to go over to some good and bad things. But over that 10-year that period of time, our nation between 1992 and 2002 became more liberal. It became more, um, uh, it, it became less concerned about righteousness and what God's ideas are. And we became much more liberal in our nation politically. And the landscape of America began changing during that period of time. And liberal policies were brought into our nation. And they're now affecting us even today. And there's many seasons where we've had that throughout history. But I chose to pick on 1992 to 2002. Now here's some of the, the statistics. Don't get bored. Teenagers, you need to hear this because you guys are a voice and we need you. Teenagers, you've got to be a part of heralding God's kingdom in the earth. But here's what happened in 2002. So we're talking now 2002 is a result of 1992 up to 2002. So in two, all that 10 year period, Christian voting was going down, down, down. The, the number of Christians voting in that span was low. But in 2002, something began to change. Now, 2002 was not an election year. In an election year, more people will vote. But when it's not an election year and you're only doing House of Representatives and Senate and all that kind of stuff, not as many people put, come out. But in 2002, the Christians came out and by a 2% increase in Christian voters' turnout. And as a result, sweeping changes took place in 2002 just because 2% more Christians came out. Look at this. In, in, in new House members, 67% of them were pro-life, pro-faith, and pro-family. That was 36 out of 54 because Christians got involved. 80% of the new senators were pro-life, pro-faith, and pro-family. That was 8 out of 10 just as a result of Christians turning out in a greater measure. And then in 2004, it was even more substantial. In 2004, 93% increase in Christian voting from 2002. So it not only was an election year, which you get more on that, but more Christians came out in 2002. 
And the major increase gave pro-life, pro-family, pro-faith candidates a huge majority in the House and Senator, in Senate. Excuse me. And here's the result. 63% of new House members were pro-life, pro-family, and pro-faith. That's 25 out of 40 seats. Is that huge? And 77% of new senators, 7 out of 9, had this pro-faith, they had pro-life in their heart, they had this, this, this pro-family, and, and that's the three areas that I know most of the Christian organizations that are involved in politics are centering the, the, their influence around. And so in this time, Dave Barton also said the, the results of this 93% increase did this. The results of 93% increase in Christian voting made way for the first, everybody say first, first congregational enactment of four major standalone pro-life laws since Roe v. Wade in 1973. So we're talking about from 1973, and I don't, I don't know your position on abortion, obviously the body of Christ has been advocates for life for years, but in 1973 is when abortions were made legal, but literally there's been no laws to protect the unborn since 1973. But as a result of all those senators and House of Representatives and the Christians increasing in their voting, we literally changed culture and literally these four laws were brought into effect between 2002 and 2004 in, 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 our, in our nation. Can everybody say praise the Lord for that? And those laws, so what is the Infants Born Alive Protection Act? Well, that is, if you're doing an abortion on a baby, and the baby is born alive, they were killing the baby. It made it illegal to kill the baby and to protect the baby. How many like that law? That was as a result of the collective voice of American Christians making a change. The other one is the Unborn Victims of Violence Act. This one says an embryo or fetus is a legal victim. It gives an embryo. I don't care if you call it embryo, fetus. I'm going to say baby. Can I have a hallelujah on that? That baby has a right, and it, 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 it's, it, can, and it can be a victim, and that the, 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 the baby's rights need to be protected as well. That's huge. Number three, the partial birth abortion ban. We all know what that, that banned this partial birth, birth abortion. They banned that in that year as making it illegal to tear the baby apart and all that good stuff. And then the fetal farming ban took place also where they cannot go in and farm fetal baby parts as a result of a Christian influence. Is anybody glad that that took place? I don't care what your stance is on abortion. I love to protect the babies. The unborn babies who have a voice. Can I have an amen on that? Not only did that 93% increase in Christian votings affect that in the early 2000s, it also, furthermore, added so many pro-life senators resulted in the confirmation of two new pro-life Supreme Court justices and dozens of pro-life, pro-family, court of appeals, and federal district court judges, all because Christians 
made their voice known. We have influence. Collectively, we have influence. And I know this is a divided, this is a divisive issue. Abortion and all this stuff. It's even divisive in the body of Christ. And I rebuke the division. We think it's about rights, but I say it's about righteousness. And our vote matters. And our vote changes policies. Our vote changes policies. Now, something happened in 2006 where there was a 30% drop in Christian voting. Something happens and times change. Christian voters drop by 30%. Everybody say 30%. And look at the result. Now only 30% of new House members were pro-faith, pro-life, pro-family. Only 17 out of the 54 seats. And only 10% of the new senators were pro-life, pro-family, pro-life, and pro-faith. That's because 30% drop. Do you see the correspondence in in how we vote? I hope I'm not boring you. I hope I'm making it sober. I'm hoping I'm making a, a, a loud cry to us as people that our voice really does matter. When Christians pull together, politicians and principalities take notice. I am not fighting a Republican Party or a Democratic Party. I promise you, what we're fighting against is the principalities of this air. We are not fighting people. We are fighting an agenda from the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We are not, when you don't like someone's policy, I'm telling you what, you're not fighting that person. The, 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 the weapons of our warfare, warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There are strongholds over this nation What we've opened the door up through sin, and those principalities have had rights in this nation. And I'm saying it is time for the body of Christ to wake up and to take a stand in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a stand. Collectively, we make a difference. Say collectively, we make a difference. Collectively, we make a difference. So how did Christians vote in 2016? This is where it gets really crazy. This is where these three areas, these three Christians, evangelicals and and, uh, born again and nominal Christians, this is from the Barna Group. So this is how the 2016 turnout between Hillary and Trump went, went about. The evangelicals that make up 7% of the population turned out at 61%, and 79% of them voted for Trump, and 18% Hillary. The non-evangelical born-again, 24% of our population, 58% of them showed up, 56% voted for Trump, and 35% for Hillary. And then the notional, notional Christian, 43% of our nation, 59% showed up, and 49% voted for Trump, and 47% for Hillary. And then you look at the skeptic, which is uh, the people who are agnostic or atheist. That's 21%. 57% showed up, and 60% voted for Hillary, and 27% for uh, Trump. And and that makes up the, the, the whole of our nation and how we voted. If you go back in history, if you look, the facts are 
Christians made the huge difference in 2016. Whether you like Trump or not, whether you liked Hillary or not, it really doesn't matter. What Christians did, they literally swayed the election completely. And it is down in history that the evangelical Christians and the, 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 the um, notional Christian literally was what made a huge impact on who won that election because Christians do make a difference. Whether you agreed with the way Christians voted, obviously 61% of evangelicals felt the same on one thing, but that doesn't make the, the, device, the, the division go away, does it? There is still a division. There is still, we don't see eye to eye within the body of Christ. And that's okay. We're, we're not all going to see eye to eye. We get that. But we're going to still love and we're going to still be in unity even when we don't uh, see eye to eye on certain things. So whether you liked Trump or not, in 2016, Christians were the determining factor for Trump winning that election. And what I want to say today, whether it's Trump, whether it's Hillary, whether it's Biden, whether it's Trump this time, what I want to say to us today is who you vote for president and who you vote for other officials really does make a difference. And it really does affect our, the public policy that this nation is going through. And so in this situation where we're going through right now, you cannot like Trump or you cannot like Biden, you cannot like Hillary, and you cannot like Trump. And I get that. And to be honest with you, I think some of the choices we're getting I, I think we could, I think there's a lot better th stuff out there based upon a lot of different things, but put that aside. The President of the United States, one of the major points that I wanted to bring today, so that, and I, that I want to get out, is the President, one of the, the biggest things that the President of the United States gets to do is to elect Supreme Court justices. And that is a huge thing in my book. And I think it should be in yours. When you're voting for whoever you're going to vote for, who the president, whoever you vote into office, one of the main swayers of culture is our Supreme Court justices. The Supreme Court justices, they decide on whether we're going to go a certain way based upon the law. You guys realize that, right? Those appointments are for a life. So if I was to get elected as a Supreme Court justice, I would be then there till I die or I choose to retire. And so one of the big things of who you choose as president makes a huge difference. Now what President Trump has gotten to do and is right on the edge of history uh, of doing is he has elected two already conservative Supreme Court justices over the last three years. He's had the opportunity because of either death, retirement, or whatever. There's nine seats on our Supreme Court justice, and he has gotten to pick two of those. Now, whether you like Trump or not, the two men that he has chosen so far, those two men have been extremely conservative, and they have had uh, what, what, the, what the church would say, or God would, his standards, they have had a conservative Christian backing behind them. And those two men, I got their written names written down so I didn't forget them. Uh, 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 where did it go? There it is. That was um, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. And right now he's trying to get Amy Coney Barrett approved as the next Supreme Court Justice to take the place of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who just recently passed away. You guys realize that, right? Everybody know that kind of part stuff, your history of what's going on? 
if, if he's able to get her in, he will, he, will be, he will get three Supreme Court justices in one term. It, that's the most any president's ever had in history, in one term. Now, whether you like what's going on or not, I don't know. Do you guys know who Amy is by chance? This woman is a born-again, spirit-filled Catholic from Indiana. The woman he has elected is a born-again, spirit-filled Catholic from Indiana. That's who Trump is. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to promote Trump. What I'm saying is the president has extreme power in influencing our our main court system, which I'm going to show here in just a second, some of the things they've decided that has changed the landscape of our nation. So whether Trump got in or whether Hillary got in, these three court, these three court of nominations, Hillary would have done three different ones than Trump did, I promise you. They would have done differently. But why is the Supreme Court so important? As I, I mean, I'm not preaching this from the pulpit, guys. This is important stuff. Because this is what the Supreme Court has done, good or bad, in the last, since 1962. You can, t- you can decide whether you think these laws are good or bad. But in 1962, they outlawed teacher-led prayer and Bible reading in schools. Because the Supreme Court, who is nominated by a president, all of them, collectively as nine, voted that down in our schools. Did it affect our nation? I can't hear you. Did that ruling affect this nation and our culture as a whole? Terribly it affected it. Our Supreme Court in 64, African-Americans have full rights to public accommodations like hotels, restaurants, and movie theaters. Dear God, praise the Lord. Can we have an amen on that? that? I was born in 1964, guys. And, and it took that long for our brothers to have the right? I mean, dear God. But thank God that was a good decision. Can I have an amen on that? 1967, they legalized interracial marriages. Praise the Lord. God, we're going to... In 1968, they outlawed the posting of the Ten Commandments in schools. Our Supreme Court, who the president nominates, your president, you need to know where he stands. Where Biden stands, where Trump stands, where their platform stands. 1973, created unlimited right to an abortion. In 2003, they declared homosexual acts as a constitutional right. In 2015, they redefined marriage to include same-sex partners. When God says marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, I'm not against homosexuals. I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. Just as much as I love adulterers, stealers, fornicators, murderers. I love them all. But what I am against is when we legislate sin and call it it good. What I am against is when we legislate sin and we call it good. That's what I'm against. Because Isaiah 5.20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness. I believe we all have rights. I believe we all have rights. But I believe that God has the final right. 
and it's called righteousness. Woe to any nation that calls evil good and good evil. So who you vote for, for president or Congress or House of Representatives or governor of Indiana, all that affects the nature and the atmosphere in our nation. The Supreme Court justices being elected, it affects those things that I just showed you. And that's why Christians must have an influence on all that stuff, on what is morally right and what is morally wrong. Your vote makes a difference, and I believe we must hear and fear the Lord in how we vote. We must hear and fear the Lord in how we vote. We must hear and fear the Lord in how we vote. Can I have an amen on that? And America is now in a low moral and spiritual decline. And I believe evangelical Christians are, you know, it is proven evangelical Christians are not growing at the rate that we should be growing. Actually, our influence is actually declining. Actually, evangelical Christians are moving down into the second thing that Barna calls as just born-again Christians. And the born-again Christians are moving down into the, 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 the nominal section. We're in a critical hour as a church, and God is attempting to wake up his bride. God is attempting. He's knocking on our hearts. He's trying to get our attention, even in this political, crazy atmosphere that we're in. And we must get back to passion for Jesus. Everybody hear me. We have got to get back to passion for Jesus. We have got to get back to being passionate, aggressive lovers of God. And we have to get back to being passionate lovers of people and the lost of our community. We must get back to the Great Commission. We've got to begin to reach people for the Lord. There are people hurting all around us. People are hurting desperately. The Bible says to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you all until the end of the age. God will be with us. We have got to be busy about declaring the good news in our, in our city. Amen? Because we, uh, we, we are a voice and we have influence, and we don't think we have the influence. People want to hear what you have to say. People are searching in this hour. I say the church has great influence, and we have great influence in this nation. If we will pull together and we will get in unity, our collective voice can make a difference. And I believe it's our finest hour. I believe God is up to something and God is doing something. And he's, re he's, re he's, he's really drawing our hearts. And I think God is wanting our attention. Is God getting your attention? Not just about voting. I'm talking about just passion for the Lord. I'm talking about being all in. You know, Proverbs says this, that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. Friends, there is only one who determines what righteousness is. There is only one who determines what righteousness is. And his name is God. His name is Yahweh. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
I'm tall, I'm sorry, secular humanism has no clue what righteousness is. No clue what righteousness is. No clue the demonic forces that are influencing our nation right now are bent on destroying the kingdom of heaven. They are bent. I'm not talking about parties. I'm talking about the principalities of the air. I'm talking about demonic forces in the heavenlies. They are trying to destroy the work of God and his righteousness on the earth. He's trying to seduce us. He's trying to get us so lazy and apathetic. I even will say, I can even prophesy, I believe this is what's, I, I believe this is a discernment. I even believe with what's going on with the coronavirus. I'm not talking about man-made. I'm talking about it is a part of the strategy of the kingdom of heaven against this nation. I, I want you to just think about it. If we have this collective voice and influence within this nation as Christian people, and most churches are at 40% right now this morning in attendance, two weeks before the election, what do you think the enemy's trying to do with his, his voice to influence the body of Christ to not have a voice in this election? What do you think's actually going on? See, there's something bigger going on. Whether you want to call it conspiracy theories or crap like that, I, that's not what's going on. It's a principality of the air. And we have, as people, we're praying on Wednesday nights, coming against those principalities. We're coming against those strategies of the enemy. And we're saying, oh God, bring your kingdom from, from heaven to the earth. You're not waging war with flesh and blood. It's principalities, church. And we have got to get serious about being a part of a voice in a nation who desperately needs the sons and daughters of God to rise up in this hour. We have got to have Christians rising up in this hour. There are people in this room, you're probably supposed to be in politics. You're probably supposed to influence that mountain. Whatever mountain you're supposed to influence, you need to be influencing that mountain with the kingdom of heaven. Whether it's business, whether it's government, whether it's entertainment, whether it's the church mountain, whether it's arts, whatever mountain you are a part of, we have got to be a voice in every one of those mountains. Awakening people to the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord and King and He is coming back and He's coming back for a people. And whose side are you on? Are you going to be about the kingdom of heaven? Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin, when you legislate sin, it brings this nation down. George Washington, in his farewell speech as president of the United States, said morality cannot be maintained without religion. Morality in the United States cannot be maintained without religion, without relationship with God. Christ is my morality. Christ is my standard bearer. When my life does not line up with the Word of God, then I must change my life. I must change my life and my behavior to line up with His righteousness because that it will exalt this nation. Hmm. One of the concerns that I have within the body of Christ and really our nation as a whole is that the kingdom of heaven is not what is influencing people on how they vote. What is influencing most people in our culture is their hobby horses. The person that wants marijuana legalized votes for the candidate to get marijuana legalized. 
The agenda that they're voting is based upon their own value. The person who wants help financially or health care or money or goodies votes for the candidate that gives the most goodies. And it's based upon their agenda. It's based on what benefits them. The person that's about environmental change votes for the candidate who is, envi environment, is about the environment or whatever hobby horse that you may be voting. I see it in Christians and I see it within uh, the, the, the culture that my preference, my, my what I want to stand for, that, that, but, but, but it's not what God... It, I, don't, I benefit from Obamacare. But Obamacare is not what is influencing what I, how I decide. What makes my decision is what lines up with the Word of God. What lines up with the kingdom? What is God wanting? What are His statutes? What are His purposes? What is His desire? Can I have a man? I got a grandmother. Man, she was a staunch Democrat. And I got a grandpa who was a staunch Republican. Think about living in that house. Whether you're Republican or Democrat or Czechoslovakian or Freebird or uh, Libertarian or uh, whatever color of the flag it is today, it really doesn't matter. Are you about the kingdom of heaven? Are you about God's biblical worldview? I'm looking for candidates who have a biblical worldview. Now, I realize neither candidate right now is living a biblical life. Can I have an amen? Neither candidate do you see biblical attributes in their life. But their platforms and their policies are more biblical or less biblical, and you have to look at their policies and their platforms to determine, because no longer, because of our moral decline, no longer are we voting for a man, but often we're voting based upon a platform of values. And which platform is more biblically based than the other? And that is a dangerous place that we've gotten to in America because Christians have lost the influence that we are, we are supposed to have in this nation. 60 million of us should have a huge culture revolution. If 12 disciples can change a nation, I think, I think whether it's 35 million or 90 million, I think we can have, there, there is a righteous remnant within this nation. Praise the Lord. We're holding back evil. So what do we do? If sin brings down a nation and righteousness exalts it, you need to take time over the next few weeks in re researching where these candidates stand on serious biblical issues. You need to take the time serious. Paula Glasser, bless her heart, has made copies out on the Welcome Center that you can look on platforms. You can go online, you can look at the Democratic Party thing, you can look at the Republican Party thing, you can look at every individual, you can see how they voted, you can look, every, it's all online. Don't be a lazy Christian. Go research where they stand. But if you want some stuff out on the Welcome Center, it's out there. I've even made this for you guys. This is a little copy of it. This is what your, uh, this is what your ballot's going to look like when you go to the polls. 
Now, I couldn't get it all on there, but this is what it's going to look like. And I made copies out on the, on the Welcome Center. If you want to know who you're going to be voting for, when this is for Henry County. If you want to know who's on that ballot, because there's some judges on there that I have no clue right now. I haven't researched it yet. There's people on the second page of this. I don't know, have a clue who they are. And I've got to do my own research and finding out who am I going to vote for. I hate showing up at the ballot and going, oh gosh, I didn't know that was going to be on there. Anybody else? It's like, who's that? I don't know if I want to keep them in office. Who are they? They could be Satan himself and I wouldn't know. Because I don't know who they are. And so we need to take this time serious. So I've made some copies of this. It's a two-page copy out on the Welcome Center that you can grab. Or I'll text it to you if you text me and say, hey, text me that, that ballot. I'll text it to you. You need to know what it's going to look like. If you don't live in Henry County, it won't work. You've got to go do your own homework. I've just tried to help you out a little bit, okay? So you can use that. You can use that to pray over. You can use that to do your research and this prayer process that we, we need to have the body of Christ awakened, not just here at New Covenant, but in our culture as a whole. And we need to be praying for our nation, guys. We need to be praying for our leaders. The other day at prayer here uh, uh, on Wednesday night, man, I prayed for Joe Biden and I prayed for Trump. I blessed both men. I said, oh God, reveal yourself to them. God, I pray for their salvation. I pray for the awakening of their hearts. I pray for God, you to just in the night hours to, as they sleep, God, that you would bless them and reveal yourself to them. God, I pray for their salvation. Wake them up. The church needs to be praying for our leaders. Can I have an amen? Pray for the pastors of churches all over America right now, that they'll have an influence. So many pastors are not going to do what I'm doing today. There are going to be silent voices, not saying a word about elections. Some of this, me even preaching on this, ticks people off, and I'm okay with that. Ticky ticked off. I love you. I'm saying it not because I want what my agenda. I want it for His kingdom, but I love you, and you need to be you need to be intelligently informed about how God wants us to vote, and it's very important to His heart. Your vote makes a difference, and you need to be informed in what candidates stand for and who stands for the closest biblical world value. In the next couple weeks, Tom's going to be sharing on this as well. And Tom's got a powerful message. I, I looked at it the other day, just really, really good uh, about this. You're not going to want to miss it, but I just really want to encourage you guys over the next couple weeks, please do your research. Don't be lazy. I don't know why, I don't know why 14 million evangelicals didn't vote. But please, I'm begging you, don't not vote. Be a voice. Be a voice in this hour. And do your homework. Find out what these people are standing for. Find out what they're wanting to enact. Find out what they're wanting to legislate. Find out who's for this and who's for that. And make sure that the hobby horse that you have is not what's driving you. Make sure your personal hobby horse is not what drives you. Make sure what drives you is righteousness and God's kingdom coming, His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I have an amen on that? If you would, stand up with me. We have influence, church. We have influence.
We have influence. And God wants us to represent him and not our personal pride. There are so many amazing issues that I believe that are important out there today. There's issues of immigration. There's issues of free choice and all kinds of stuff. But there's three or four issues that I believe are non-negotiables in God's kingdom. And we need to, as the body of Christ, find out where people, where, where our officials land on the more important issues in God's heart. Tom's going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. But I pray that you will humble yourself and not be led by your own agenda, but that you will press into God's heart, that you will forsake your ways and say, God, what is your heart? On these issues what is your heart on abortion what is your heart on these issues that seem to divide our nation as I want to get mad and give people a piece of my mind God I just want to represent your heart in love just like what Benjamin shared joy and love not going into this divisiveness and putting people on our oh they're no good list oh no no that's not who we are we're people who want to love, and we're people who want to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So, Father, I pray as we, as we go through this week, beginning to look at in two weeks who we're going to vote for, God, I pray that you begin to convict our hearts, that you would awaken your bride, that you would draw our hearts to what draws you, and that we would be about what you want, God, and not what we want. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I want to encourage you guys as you get ready to leave, share this video. Get, get, get this stuff out. Share it when you get home. People online, if you wouldn't mind, share the video. I really want to encourage people to, to get to awaken the body of Christ on these crucial things.